Well, it's Palm Sunday. How many of you have spent the last five weeks Lent, meditating, being quiet, celebrating, or, or just reflecting on who you are in Christ? Don't raise your hand. Just think about it. How many of you have done that? I had every intention of every day, quiet before God, and didn't do it. Not that I didn't spend time with God. Not that I, but I had all these grandiose hopes of six weeks of just on my face before God, meditating, and I thought, Lord, what in the world? I, 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 I wanted to be ready for Easter. And what was so cool was God gave me a gift on Friday to help me prepare my heart for Easter. And I'll share with you in a few minutes what that gift is, because it's free and available to you as well. But before we go there, I want to read some scripture to us. And I want to just do a few minutes of meditation and quiet. Um, and I, I don't mean quiet, I want you to be quiet, I want Ollie talking. But but what I'm saying is that this is not this is not an interactive talking back and forth time. This is a time for you to listen to the word of God, to listen to what God put on my heart. And then tonight at our last community group for the season, we will not have it again until the fall. Um, we'll discuss some of the things we talked about this morning. If you will turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 14. And the amount of scripture we're going to read this morning is kind of lengthy, but that's just too bad. Because that's, this is where we are, and this is what God wants of us this morning. Mark chapter 14. And I'll be reading out of the New International Version. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teacher of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of a man named Simon, the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume and made, uh, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. And she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. And so he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, well, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jug of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house that he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, 
furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. And so they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. And while they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they, they said to Jesus, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, Jesus replied. One who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had never been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I'll not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, even tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. And the words keep watch means spend the night with me in prayer. That's what it means. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Ah, the Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning a third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? <sighs> Enough. The hour has come. Look. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. And with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. And now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. And then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the ear, I mean, so the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. 
Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts. You didn't arrest me then, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. And when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And a, a, a side note here. Scholars believe that this young man who was wearing nothing but a linen garment was John Mark, the man who wrote this gospel. He would have been the only one who would have known because everyone else had already left. In addition to that, why would he be out walking the streets in nothing but a linen garment? Because if he was laying in his bed at night and heard Jesus' disciples leave after their lengthy Passover ceremony, he wanted to follow them, so he was following at a distance. He was off standing in the, in the wooded area as all of this was going on and all of a sudden somebody notices him and he, and he tries to run and they grab him by the only piece of clothing he's got which is just a linen wrap around him and he runs off naked back to his house. This, they tell us, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to break the story but they tell us that this is an understanding for us of how desperate everyone was to not be caught to run away from the trouble that was going right there. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and teachers of the law came together, and Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they didn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements would not agree. And then some stood up and gave his false testimony against him. We heard him say, I'll destroy this man-made temple in three days and build another, not made by a man. Yet even their testimony didn't agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and he asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him and they blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and they said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. While, Jesus was, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I, I don't know what you're, or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said to, again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. And again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near to Peter said, Surely you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. And he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. Very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision, and they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. 
The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now, it was the custom of the, at the feast to release a prisoner from the people whom the people requested. A man named Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Well, do you want me to re- release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder. Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had flogged, he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they set it on him, and they began to call out in, Hail, King of the Jews! And again and again they struck him on the head with a staff, and they spit on him. And falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put back on his own clothes, and then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced Simon to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, and then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults and shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teacher of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said. He can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. And one man ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion on whom, uh, who stood there in front of Jesus heard the cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, those younger, and Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and had cared for his needs, and many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem, also, who were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate, surprised to hear that he was already dead, summoned the centurion and he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen, 
took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Save us! Save us! We honor you! Crucify him! Crucify him! Kill him! Five days! Five days! I'll not leave you. I don't care who else departs. I will stay firm, Jesus. I love you. I'm your servant. I've committed my life forever. Until a little girl looks at me cross-eyed. <laughs> and he went out and he wept bitterly. But it didn't change the fact that he didn't stand firm when given the opportunity. And it took a great deal to fix that. John chapter 21, Jesus and Peter walking down the beach. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. It's all right now, but from the time of that night until the time of that walking down the beach was 40 some days. Peter living with his remorse and his guilt and his shame over his failure of the Lord. The leaders of the church, the holy ones, missed it completely. The ones who followed him and gave up everything to be with him for three whole years missed it completely. Judas. Can you imagine Jesus saying about you, it would be better had you not ever been born? That's a pretty scathing statement about what your life meant on this earth. But the thing that I found intriguing as I was reading those two chapters of the Bible that are very familiar to me, honestly, as I was reading them, I had to stop numerous times because I kept letting my mind wander I had things to do. I was busy. Oh my goodness, I've got to get that slide ready for the church service. Oh my word, what are we going to have for dinner tomorrow? Are we inviting people? As I'm trying to read this horrible story about Jesus, as I prepare my heart for this service, I couldn't focus. And after it was all said and done, and I was trying to meditate, the Lord said to me, um, Bob, why don't you go back to chapter 15, 24. Just look at a couple, about four or five words at the beginning of chapter 15, verse 24. So I did. I opened up the Bible again and I looked at chapter 15 of Mark, verse 24, and the first words, first four words of that verse are, and they crucified him. God Give me. I was so worried 
about doing my Christian duty of reading your word. I was so worried about doing my pastorly duty of preparing my sermon. I was so focused on my stuff that the four most important words that were ever written, at least as it applies to my eternal destiny, I just glanced over. And they crucified him. You see, and this is what I was reading all week long, we who have known Jesus for more than a day or two have gotten used to the story. We hear it. A little child says, they filled the cup with his blood and nobody in the room winced. Why? Isn't that gross? Isn't that a disgusting image that a little child should have? How dare you, parents, teach your child about filling a cup with blood? In the world, they think we're sick. But for us, it's a normal and everyday thing. You're the only one in the room. Okay. I got two out of 40. Anybody else? Okay. Reality. In reality, we have this instrument of torture and death as a focal point for worship. How many of you are wearing a chain right now that has one? They're hiding them now. <laughs> we wear jewelry talking about death. We worship death. But when we read about Jesus' death, it's easy for us to just... And they crucified him. Let's move on. I know the rest of the story. Let's just get to the end of this thing. I want to see the rock open up. I want to see the tomb. But the reality is, this is incredibly important to who you are as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those four words. Now, yes... He is risen is an incredibly powerful, wonderful, glorious thing. And we'll focus on that next week. But for the next seven days, try to pretend like you don't know the story. And read it with fresh eyes. And ask God's Holy Spirit to say to you in a new way what he did for you. My personal hot button as a human being is fear of rejection. That's, that's something that, it'll, it'll, it, well, thank God he's healed a lot of it, but it, it still hurts. But it used to be, I would fall off the deep end and panic. Don't, 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 please don't reject me. And I can remember with my best friend, when I was in Bible college, I borrowed a trailer, just a lightweight trailer. I needed to haul some dirt. And I borrowed a pickup truck, I borrowed the trailer, I went and picked up the dirt, 
And I got into an area that was kind of tight, so I had to back up a little bit, and I almost, and I jackknifed a little bit with the trailer. But I finally got out, I got back, I loaded off the whole thing, did the garden work that I had to do, and then I returned the truck and the trailer to my friend. And he wasn't uh, home when I did it, so I just backed it up into his driveway up on the side of his property where he kept it, and I just left the truck attached. I didn't want to mess with trying to, you know, level it or anything, just leave it, he can deal with it later when he gets home. And then that evening when we came over for dinner, I said, Chuck, I didn't disconnect your trailer, I just wanted to leave it there because I wanted to make sure you checked out and make sure everything's okay. So we walked out to his trailer and he started undoing everything and he went, you bent the tongue. You bent the tongue on my trailer, this is a brand new trailer, you're the very first person to ever use it. I spent $700 on this trailer. I felt like, a heel. I don't, I don't, I, 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 the only time I can think was that when I jackknifed, I must have somehow accidentally done enough pressure on that tongue to, to, to mess it up. I was mortified. And what my friend did was he went, never mind, just, let's just go in the house. Let's go finish our meal and just go in the house. And he wouldn't say another word about it. He was trying to give me grace. He was trying to not explode in anger, even though that's what he wanted to do. And he was trying to just give me grace. I spent the rest of that evening on the inside of me screaming, Please, kill me! Please, please, just do something! Tell me I'm a bad person! Don't, don't treat me with this! Don't treat me this way because I don't deserve it! And see, for me, for me, in the way that I relate with God, when I sin... That's the same feeling that I have with God. Please kill me. Please, I'm not worthy. Please, I, I, I can't say forgive me again because every time I say forgive me, it's just I'm going to do it again anyway, God. And I'm so weak and I'm so messed up. Please, God. Just... And it's this sick thing that I can't receive His grace. And part of it is because I allowed this story to become so commonplace. The thought that every single sin that I ever will commit was taken care of in those four words. And they crucified him. When his blood was shed, when his life ended, his blood was poured out. My sins were cleansed. Not just the ones that I've done since I've been on this earth, but any sin that I may commit in the future completely wiped away, completely cleansed, completely made right. I no longer have to fear rejection from God. The answer is always, I forgive you. It's taken care of. Let's go have pizza. Fellowship. That's what I'm worried about right now. I'm not worried about you making it right because I already made it right. Fellowship. That's what I'm about. And so what I'm asking you this week is to be intentional. Spend the next seven days meditating, reflecting, reading, not studying, reading, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a fresh and new way about what it means that they cry.
crucified him. Yes, he is risen, and we will celebrate that. But live in the death of Jesus this week. Don't go past the burial. Don't allow yourself. Those folks didn't know what was coming. Live in that. Chew on that. Allow the Spirit of God to talk to you about that. And recognize that act of love and what it means to you. If you need it, I told you at the beginning, I was given a gift and I am passing it on to you. There is a publishing house called Seedbed. They are a Wesleyan Armenian publishing house. They uh, service the United Methodist Church. They are part of Asbury Theological Seminary. And a book was published called Centurion, the Easter event from a Roman's perspective. <clears throat> and I, it's a free ebook that you can download to your computer, your smartphone, your tablet. And for those who do not have computer access, I have permission to do hard paper copies. Five of them. I, I contacted the publisher and got a copyright waiver so that I could publish five hard copies. And I already have four of them spoken for, so don't come up and ask me. <laughs> um, if you have a need for a hard copy as opposed to to an electronic copy, talk with me, but I've already got four of the five already spoken for. Um, but if you would be interested, I'm going to ask Wyatt, would you mind passing these out for me? Um, there is the link at the bottom. Just type that in, and it'll tell you how to access this free electronic book. I've already started using it. It starts today. And it's just a short, it took less than five minutes to read the little chapter. And then you just spend time meditating. There's no questions for further thought. There's no, it's not a study guide. All it is, is a meditative, reflective book. But it talks about it in a narrative form from the perspective of someone who didn't understand what was going on. And I would encourage you to get it. Let's pray. And then we will close our time together.